you, God. Well, I hope you slept good. I hope you've, if not prepared your coffee yet, I hope you're getting your coffee ready. I'm still not waking up at my normal 6 a.m. time. I'm waking up at, today I woke up at 3, which is normal, and when I went back to sleep, I didn't wake up until 4.20. I was so proud of myself. I'm thankful for the blessings of God, the peace of God. So, just to, in an effort to get more friends and family perhaps involved in a sacred ritual, uh, take a picture of where you have your sacred ritual at. Maybe it's at home, like for me. It's in the middle of my living room, so you'll hear my morning household sounds. Uh, Morgan's just come downstairs. I think I hear her audio Bible playing. The door will squeak in a minute. She'll be off to work. But uh, where's your sacred ritual done? Take a picture and post it with the hashtag sacred ritual podcast. And then I can click that podcast, that that hashtag I mean, and find your find your devotion place. I'm going to talk today about disciples of Jesus. We're going through the life of Jesus in chronological order. And as a blatant disciple maker I have a tenderness for today's topic I have Pastor Jason preached last night about um, obvious agendas people who have an agenda they say what their agenda is and then you once you know what a person's agenda is you can operate thereby and I have an absolute agenda of teaching people to know God to be able to get close to the Lord through engaging in the spirit and therefore hearing the call of God and fulfilling their purpose in their life because when we are fulfilling our purpose in life we are confident we are strong when i am i am i'm a anxious person i have always dealt with some level of anxiety and especially my poor kids thank goodness my friend kara was living with us when my kids were learning to drive because I was a terrible parent in the passenger seat. I was terrible. Both of my kids, when they were learning to drive, ended up having to pull over either into a parking lot or on the side of the road 
And the two of us, me and my son when he was learning to drive, me and my daughter when she was learning to drive, we just had to cry for a second because I was so terrible at my gasping and my gripping of dashes and center consoles and oh my goodness, just the worst. So Kara was living with us and she was brave enough to teach Morgan and Madison to drive. I'm so grateful for that. But when I am overseas on one of my missions trips, I have no fear, no anxiety as a passenger in a vehicle. I do when I'm at home and that's ridiculous because my home is my harvest field. I know it's my ultimate calling. But anyway, my point in telling you that is when you are, when you are living in your purpose, your anxiety levels go down. That's my experience. When you are confident that you are doing the will of God, you can be like Paul in a storm on the sea and ultimately the ship wrecked and he had absolute confidence he was getting to the other side. And so that's my agenda to infuse you with the word of God, a relationship with God so that you can pursue the confidence of God. You can walk in the confidence of the purpose of God. So I, I very purposefully am a discipler of people. Um, I want to teach them how to be what God needs them to be so that they can fulfill their call and purpose in life. A disciple is a learner, a student, a pupil. And when you're a disciple, it means you increase your knowledge. It means you are hearing and you are informed. It also means to learn by use and practice. So you don't just hear somebody teach, but you begin to use what you heard taught and you begin to practice it. And then it also means to be in the habit of accustomed to the word disciple, of course, is, is, um, a part of the word discipline and a discipline is how you form a habit, how you become accustomed to something. And Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 20, he was praying for his disciples and he said, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their word. Jesus surrounded himself with a group of people. And we particularly are going to focus on the 12 disciples. Although we'll see that he had large crowds that followed him, but he knew that these men were going to continue his work when his time on earth was done. And so he 
he knew how special these people were. Some of these people, and, and I'm going to, today we're going to go through and look at how each disciple came to Jesus. And um, we'll learn a little bit about their differences and, and so forth. I'm not going to delve too much into the disciples themselves just because this series is about Jesus. But you, as we look at who came to Jesus, how they came to Jesus, I'm, I'm not, I am personally not convinced that Jesus knew ahead of time every single person that was going to be a part of that number. Uh, I, I could be wrong. I don't, I don't want to get in a theological debate about that. But I know for myself, I, every person I come across, if I'm spending, <laughs> if I'm spending three minutes with a stranger, I am in one way or another fishing for them. I want to know if they are interested in following me as I follow Christ. Right away, uh, two days ago, I, I was running in our in our public park, and there was a family sitting under a gazebo. As I was running by, and you know, it was a circular path, so I passed them often. And about my third time around, the little girl said, "What are you doing?" And I said, "I'm exercising." And the mom said, "She's exercising." And when I came back around, um, the little girl was also running and she was clearly looking at me, you know, proud of herself for also exercising. And so I finished my circle and I came, when I was finished, I came back around to the family and I drew a starting line for the little girl and she ran. And then I, uh, you know, kind of engaged with the parents a little bit and put the finish line right at mom. And, you know, I cheered for the little girl. I, I, I just, I, I was blatantly fishing and I have a, a link tree set up so that a quick QR code scan from whoever I'm talking to puts them immediately in contact with me through either my social media or my church. Um, anyway, I, I deliberately and literally fish. And so I, I'm going to find out within three minutes of talking to a stranger whether or not they want to follow me as I follow Christ. Um, it's just what I do. I do it at the manicurist. I do it at the massage. I do it everywhere. <laughs> um, I, I love it. I love showing people their empowerment through Christ. And so sometimes though, I will know pretty much right away. One of my, um, one of my favorite uh, I don't, I, I kind of feel awkward calling them disciples. They're not disciples of mine. They're disciples of Christ. I'm trying to, anyway, a student, a person I met. I don't know what to call them. Anyway, um, when I met her, I immediately knew 
I, I, I literally, when I was talking to her, there's a missionary in Korea. Her name is Sister Eja Kim. I felt like I was talking to Eja Kim. I, I don't know how to describe that. It was just a spiritual phenomena. I'm just like, oh, like this woman is ready to know all about Jesus. She's ready to be baptized in Jesus name. She's ready to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Like, like she has purpose. So I knew her as soon, I knew that as soon as I met her every once in a while that happens as well. And anyway, I told my experience, those experiences to say, I don't know if Jesus knew every person right away. Like I did with young me, like as soon as I saw her, I, I knew she's called of God. I don't know if Jesus knew that with everyone or I know for sure as we're going to see, he knew it with Nathaniel. Um, anyway, just disciples are special. They're very special. You are like research says each of us, me, you, we are like the five people we spend the most time with. You are like the five people. Think of the five people you spend the most time with. Now, that could be your family. So if you've got a family of four or of five and you spend the most of most of your time at home with your family, you are like the five people you spend the most time with. Is it your coworkers? I'm going to push some buttons here and ask, is it your TV shows? Is it social media? Who are the five people you spend the most time with? Because that is who you are most like. That's how, who you think like you, you think like each other, you behave like each other. You're like the five people you spend the most time with. So if we want to become different, if we want to break cycles, if we want to think higher, if we want to be more excellent, then you don't have to desert your five friends, but you do have to bring in very purposefully a different influencer. So a different influencer, you know, when I say that, it, I, I think a little bit of social circles, women in their circles, you know, you've got the queen bee and then you've got the others and everybody plays their role in their place. And so what happens is you, somebody else comes in the, in the mix and sometimes people don't like the new person in the mix because some change starts happening. They, the, that's a natural thing. We, when we bring somebody new in our mix, we become different. And so if you want to become different, if you want to, maybe you want to get better at budgeting, maybe you want to get better at your attitude, maybe you want to get better in your speech, maybe you want to uh, become more disciplined at exercise or nutrition or, well, you're going to have to bring in a different influencer if you want to improve that about your life and about yourself. So this is why it's important to be purposeful about your books, about your podcasts, about your music, because they are a part of the five people you spend the most time with. And because those mediums like uh, music and 
TV shows or entertainment or social media or whatever it's going to be because they are part of your influencers, the word of God should be in that top five by reading the word of God, by listening to the word of God, by preaching the word of God. So the disciples, when, when Christ came into their life, they became influenced by Christ 24 seven. They became influenced by Christ 24 seven because they began to live with him day and night. They formed a new lifestyle centered around Christ's teaching, Christ's conversation, Christ's sleep patterns, Christ's travel. They, and, and, and we know at least Peter was married because Christ healed his mother-in-law. So they formed a new lifestyle regardless of what their career was, regardless of what their family situation was. They brought in that new influencer and completely changed their pattern of life. Let's look at where these disciples came from. So immediately following Christ's baptism, I actually was so intrigued by this. I, I just didn't know this. But immediately following Christ's baptism, Star is, is hearing a car outside. We might get a bark out of Star. Immediately following Christ's baptism of repentance, we read in John chapter 1 that two of John the Baptist's disciples, for sure Andrew, and because it doesn't name the other disciple and the other disciple and this, this passage is, is uh, written of in the book of John. John has a tendency to not name himself in his own book. He like calls himself the disciple that, that the beloved disciple, the disciple that Christ loved. He, he doesn't name himself often. And so I'm going to assume that second disciple was John. So immediately after Christ's baptism, John says, follow him. And that's what these two disciples did. And we continue reading in in John chapter 1, and we find that Andrew, who was the disciple of John the Baptist, he went and got his brother, Simon, who was also called Cephas, who was also called Peter. He's the one who preached on the day of Pentecost. Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. And then... Jesus went into the wilderness and after the wilderness, which by the way, the last uh, podcast in this series is about the wilderness. After the wilderness in Matthew four twelve, Jesus heard that John had been cast into prison and he departed into Galilee. And so once he gets into Galilee, Jesus starts making connections in Galilee and Matthew Chapter 4, verses 18 through 20, Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers. So when after Jesus had met Andrew and John, he met them 
they actually spent the night with with him. They he he turned around. These two dudes are following him, and he says, "What do you What do you want?" And they said, "We want to know where you stay." And so he showed them where he stayed, and they they it was late in the afternoon, so they went ahead and stayed the night there, and then Christ went into the wilderness. So Jesus comes back and he reconnects with Andrew and Simon called Peter. They were casting a net into the sea for they were fishers. Verse 19, he saith unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Of course, Andrew had already had direction from John the Baptist that Christ was someone to be trusted and followed. And so they straightway left their nets and followed him. And then Jesus finds Philip in Galilee. We know that from John chapter 1. And the scripture also makes it clear that John already knew Andrew and Peter. And then Philip brought Nathaniel. And we know that again from John 1. And I love the story of Nathaniel. Nathaniel's the one that's... Um, where we know for sure Christ had insight to him. He said, I saw you sitting under the tree before you and I ever met. Um, man, I love that, that whole scenario. And when you're looking for Nathaniel's name among the disciples, you won't find the name Nathaniel, but you will find Bartholomew. And Bartholomew is Nathaniel. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 21 and 22, and going on from thence, we saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. John is the gospel of John. That's who wrote the gospel of John. So when Andrew and John were disciples of John the Baptist, and this is the John that is that John. Uh, so James, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother in a ship with Zebedee, his fa- their father mending their nets. And he called them and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. And then, and we don't find him meeting Matthew until quite a bit into his ministry, but we do find where he meets Matthew in Matthew chapter nine, verse nine. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. And I love that Matthew wrote his own his own story there. And that's the only disciples where we know a little bit of background about how Jesus found them or how they found Jesus. But we see in Matthew chapter four, verses 24 and 25, that large crowds had begun to follow Christ. 24 verse 24 news about him spread as far as Syria and people soon began bringing to him all their sick And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Large crowds followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, all over Judea, and from east of the Jordan River. 
So we don't know how the rest of these disciples came to be part of his inner circle, but we know that large crowds began following him. And I'm going to assume that the rest of these disciples were a part of those crowds and they just as a leader within a church, I know that that kind of the people that end up spending the most time with leadership are people who are just servants. They just want to serve however. And so leaders are working and serving and the people who show up and start volunteering with the leaders, they're the ones who spend the most time with the leaders. And I'm going to assume that's what happened in this scenario as well. My I'm definitely projecting my own experience onto this, but the rest of the disciples were Thomas and this so funny to me how they are a name, but it says called, and then it has a secondary name. So Thomas called Didymus and Didymus means twofold or twin. So there's a chance that Thomas was a twin and then there's another James that followed Jesus. We Earlier we read about James, the son of Zebedee, and this is James, the son of Alphaeus. And then we've got Lebaeus called Thaddeus. I like Thaddeus. I can say Thaddeus easier. And Thaddeus means big-hearted. He's a big-hearted man. I love that nickname that they had for him. And then we have Simon the Canaanite, now, I'm going to confess my ignorance. I'm going to tell you that I Googled this and did not come to a conclusion. And because I am doing my study late at night or early in the morning, and I don't want to wake any of my usual uh, people I'd ask questions like this of, Simon the Canaanite, there is discussion as to whether this person was of Cana or Canaan. And these are two different places. Cana is in Galilee. And of course, Jesus found other of his disciples in Galilee. So, but it does typically say Cana in Galilee when it's referring to Cana. And Wikipedia, whoever wrote the, the passage in Wikipedia, we know that that could be anybody <laughs> but Wikipedia says the word Canaanites serves as an ethnic catch-all term covering various indigenous populations. And so there is a good chance that Simon the Canaanite um, was a Canaanite and that would mean that he were he could be considered black though not completely african uh definitely of a ethnicity that was different than the rest of the disciples and he if he was from if he was a canaanite as historians believe then it he would have had a different dialect, which would have mean he would have had an accent. And I just love that. I really hope that's true. <laughs> I love how 
the body of Christ is made up of everybody. And, um, I just, I love that so much. And then there's Judas Iscariot. Iscariot is another name for Kerioth, which is a town in the south of Judah. And so Judas Iscariot comes from Kerioth. And of course, once we get toward the end of Christ's life, we'll, we'll find the sad news about Judas. The diversity of these disciples, their, the differences in their backgrounds, the differences in their careers. You had fishermen, you had tax collectors. Though there's little information about those last few disciples that I talked about, they were equally important to establishing the church after Christ's ascension. And how they each uniquely came to Jesus is so heartwarming to me and so special. Some had a an invitation that is recorded in scriptures. Others were brought to Jesus. Some were sent to Jesus. And then others might have come along with a crowd. But when the crowds left, they did not leave. They stayed close to Jesus. So as we move on in this Jesus series, we're going to start ourselves being educated by Christ's words and actions in the same way that, that his disciples were educated. And when we wrap up this devotional this morning, I want to tell you that if you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, I I have news for you as one mimicking the Christ, trying to be like Jesus. We should be discipling others. If you've already followed Jesus through the baptism of repentance, if you followed Jesus through your own wilderness experiences, if you have, if, if you've done those things, you have been proven by overcoming temptations. You have, if you've been through wilderness, you have been through temptations. You've been in the fiery furnace, fiery trials, like the three Hebrew boys. And therefore, because of your experience, you should have some disciples yourself Knowledge, giving others knowledge of how you made it through is such a loving gift to the people around you. Giving of your time and your attention is empowering to other people. I want to point out that if you have a home where others are in your home, then you should be discipling those in your home, whether they be children, whether they be roommates, you should be discipling those in your home and especially your children. I can't stress enough how parents should spend every day discipling their children. And then if you are parents focusing on your children 
They are your top priority. Disciple others as time and season permits. At this point in my life, I I very purposefully, deliberately, with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, discipled my children. And they are grown and they are now discipling others. And so now I'm in a time and a season that I can put the same energy into others as I did my children. By the time your own kids are grown, you should be giving the hours that you spent discipling your children to spiritual children. I'm even going to say to the metaphorical orphan because we live in a society now where so many people did not have the advantage of parents teaching them. Teach what you know. If you know years of faithfully living for God, teach that. Teach how to be at church faithfully. Teach why it's important to be at church faithfully. Teach by example. Teach by words. Teach by a cup of coffee with someone. Teach by influence. Teach by love. Teach by spending time. By Teach by playing games together. You teach by simply being in their presence. If you know that Jesus is the Messiah, like Andrew and John, then go get your Simon. Go get your Nathaniel. Go get them. Tell them who Jesus is, what God can do for them. Because everybody deserves the privilege of knowing who Jesus is. God bless you. Thank you for joining me today.